0: This morning's scripture reading comes from Genesis 12, verse 1 to 13, verse 2. And it reads Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, but appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. And there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go." And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with Lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Hey, good morning, everyone. I am Cyril Chavis. I am the RUF pastor at Howard University, and it is a delight to be able to bring the word to you all this morning. Now, thank you for that scripture reading. I'll pray for us, and we can go ahead and dive in. Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, um, we thank you for the privilege to be able to open up your word. God, we believe that when we open up your word, you speak to us, and when you speak to us, you transform us, you mold us, you comfort us. Lord, you do all of these beautiful things. So God, we come to you expecting these things and looking to your good and beautiful gifts during this time. Lord, we love you, amen. All right, well, uh, I would like to start our time off with a question. Um, Have you ever been in a situation where you've been in trouble and you know someone has your back no matter what? Uh, I remember in middle school and high school, I was a skinny kid. I was a weak kid. I still am, you know, skinny and weak. But it didn't matter that in middle school and elementary school I was a skinny and weak kid because I had a friend who was built like a linebacker. I had a best friend, one of my best friends, his name was Matt and he had my back no matter what so much so i remember one time so if you remember in school days you know isn't it weird to think about how we would actually have bathroom breaks you couldn't just get up and go to the bathroom there had to be a scheduled bathroom break but anyway there's a scheduled bathroom break i remember i went into the bathroom first and another guy came in behind me and he was just chatting with me casually and i remember matt came in And just like for no reason, he comes up, he's like, Cyril, is this dude talking crazy to you? Is this dude messing with you? And I was just like, whoa, like Matt and I, we were just just chatting and he was like, okay. You know, so Matt was like squaring up on this dude, getting ready to challenge this dude because he thought this guy was causing me trouble. Uh, You see, Matt had my back in a crisis, even those that were imagined or unreal. (laughs) Uh, Do you have a person in your life that has your back no matter what in a crisis, whether that crisis is caused by your sin or caused by circumstances outside of you? I think that we all want someone who has our back no matter what in a crisis. And family, I'm here to tell you that we have that someone. Um, And so, what crisis are we dealing with? We all know what crisis we're dealing with. We are dealing with many crises in this nation right now, but particularly the two big ones that are heavy upon us are COVID-19 and just the racial unrest and just unrest in general due to police brutality and protesting. And this can leave us just feeling frustrated, disappointed, despairing, defeated, and rightfully so. Like when these things happen, uh, they, cause us to feel all the feels. Um, But family, I'm here to tell you tonight, or sorry, I'm here to tell you this morning (laughs) that God will fulfill his promises to his people no matter what. God will fulfill his promises to his people no matter what, even in a crisis. And I want to persuade this, uh, persuade you of this through Abram's life. God does this in Abram's life. First of all, he does this to Abram in an economic meltdown. He does this to Abram in an economic meltdown. God fulfills his promises to Abram no matter what in an economic meltdown. So in the text, we find out that Abram was living in Mesopotamia with his family and with his brothers and with his brother's wives. And they were partaking in life together. They were farming and raising livestock together. They uh, worshipped all these different gods and they generally were secure. And then one day, Abram, this new God, come to him and basically says, Abram, I want you to get up. Leave your homeland, leave your family, start walking, and stop when I tell you to stop. <laughs> and so Abram and his family walk uh, almost a thousand miles. Along the way, he leaves behind all of his family, or his family dies, except Abram, his wife Sarai, and his nephew Lot. And God says, Stop. This is where you are going to dwell. Uh, they ended up in Canaan, and this was a strange and foreign land. They were in a scary situation. But check this out. On the way, God gives them spectacular promises. He says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God gives them amazing promises. And when they finally so on the way, God gives them those promises. And then when they finally get to the land, God tells them this in verse seven of chapter 12, to your offspring, I will give this land. So here you have 75 year old Abram, his wife who was around the same age in this foreign land without their extended family, with a million unknowns but they stayed in this land because they were placing their hopes and their trust in this new God and a handful of literally unbelievable promises from this new God. Um, And if that wasn't enough, guess what happens right after all of this? A famine hits the land Now, a famine is like kind of a term basically pointing to an extreme shortage of food. Uh, This can be because of war or because of drought or, or whatever. But basically, people in this region of the world were starving. They had no food. Um, Y'all, can you imagine this? You are in the beginning of a new portion of your life with this new God in a new land and a crisis hit. Basically, an economic meltdown happens where people do not know how they're going to provide for themselves. And family, can't we relate to this Uh, here in DC and just all around the world that we are all kind of going through a small trauma Uh, The whole world's lives have been disrupted because of COVID Uh, and we are facing so many uncertainties in the midst of this crisis. Uh, COVID has caused crisis maybe in your social life. Like you are so used to getting together with people and hanging out with people, going to coffee shops, going to restaurants, going out on date nights. And all of this has been shut down and you are feeling lonely and disappointed. Maybe COVID has caused a crisis in your uh, coursework, or maybe your job, or maybe your future career aspirations. You had all these ideas of the educational goals you were going to meet, all these ideas of uh, the visions that you were going to see manifested by, through your hard work and your occupation. And you just don't know if those are going to happen and you are frustrated. Uh, and maybe if you're a college student, maybe you're not sure if you're gonna graduate. Uh, maybe you are working towards a master's or, or a PhD and you're not sure what it would look like to finish this degree. Uh, and maybe you were planning on moving uh, to, a, to a certain place in the city or moving to um, a different job or transitioning, whatever it could be, and things are looking really uncertain right now. Um, but I'm here to tell you that God will fulfill his promises in an economic meltdown. But not only that, God will fulfill his promises in a violent society. God will fulfill his promises in a violent society. So check it out. In Abram's story, as a result of this famine, basically Abram and Sarai, uh, and I think a lot, uh, all basically get together and say, hey, we need to go to Egypt during this famine. So basically Egypt, during um, whether it was war or famine or drought throughout the ancient Near East, Egypt would be a place where people could get jobs and where they can get food. And it was, it was kind of a refuge at that time. So they go there, but Abram was scared for his life. Do you know why Abram was scared of uh, for his life even after traveling all that way to Egypt, about 800 miles to Egypt? He's scared because Sarai, his wife, is gorgeous, and he is scared that the Egyptians are going to murder him and take Sarai as their own. Uh, and and and, and we, maybe particularly he's scared. I don't know if he particularly knows what's actually going to happen in the future, but maybe he knows that Pharaoh himself is going to take Sarai and bring her into his harem of concubines and, and wives. And later on in chapter 20, we find out even deeper Abram is scared because he knows that he is a stranger in foreign lands that do not have a fear of God. These places do not know Yahweh, this new God that came to Abram. Uh, And by the way, Abram is also known as Abraham, and Sarai is also known as Sarah. Sorry if I switch back and forth. Later on in the narrative, God changes Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. But anyway, uh, uh, in the midst of Egypt... Abram is scared for his life because this land has no fear of God. And as a result of their lack of fear and reverence for God, it is a deeply violent and oppressive society. Violence was the culture of this place, so much so that Abram was scared for his life. Um, Doesn't this sound familiar, family? Uh, a, A society where violence is so ingrained in the culture that anyone new there, or a stranger in a foreign land is afraid for his or her life. Uh, If if you've spent any time just even reading the history of the United States, or being in the United States, we know that uh, this country, and really countries all around the world, violence is a part of the culture. And particularly for those of us who might be minorities or African-Americans, Um, maybe Native Americans, we are particularly familiar with the violence that has been perpetrated against us throughout the history of this nation. And even now with uh, all the unrest, we are brutally aware of the fact that our society is pathologically violent. And this violent racism and police brutality that we see in the news and just all around us. Uh, Maybe it has caused a crisis in your quality of life. Maybe your mental and emotional health has taken a huge hit during this time and you're not really sure what peace looks like. Uh, Maybe it has taken a hit in even your future plans. Maybe you're black in America and you're really wondering, um, does a black person have a future in America, you always were wondering this, but even now the question is more brutally in your face. And maybe uh, to my Asian American brothers and sisters, you're wondering this same thing during this time. Uh, And really anyone thinking about what does it mean to live in this country, We're like, what does the future look like in a place that is so violent and the unrest that is being caused is due to this violence. Maybe um, here in DC, maybe you live in an area of DC or maybe in uh, like the broader DMV area, where you are nervous for your own safety, where you're more heightened and you feel your anxiety is up and your mental and emotional bandwidth is being drained as a result of being hypervigilant because of the violence that we can access by our telephones. Like We can literally even accidentally watch someone die on our phone screens. Uh, But family, God will fulfill his promises to you in a violent society. So God will fulfill his promises to you in an economic meltdown. God will fulfill his promises to you in a violent society. Not only that, God will also fulfill his promises to you in your shortcomings. So we now know that Abram is in a crisis. He's in a violent society. Well, first of all, there's been a famine. Let me go further back than that. He's been called from his hometown in a strange place now. He's experienced a famine, now he travels 800 more miles to um, Africa for refuge. And even there, there's violence and he's scared for his life. What does he do in response to this? He comes up with this, a deceitful plan. He basically tells Sarai, he says, hey, um, don't tell anybody that you're my wife. Just simply tell them you're my sister. Now, now this is kind of weird. I guess Sarai was technically Abram's half sister. Uh, but that's a whole nother story. So um, even though it's kind of like a weird mixture of a lie and a truth, he's still being deceitful because he leaves out the fact that this is my wife. Um, and then he convinced Sarai to give herself away to Pharaoh. Uh, basically, Pharaoh and his and his people see Sarai and take her for Pharaoh. Um, not only did that happen he is giving away the means by which God will give Abram the promised descendants. Remember, God promised Abram, I will make you a great nation and I'll uh, give you a great name and you will have descendants. And uh, he has given Abram these promises that imply that Sarai will have a child, even though she is barren and he is old. And so Abram basically throws away the means by which God has promised to fulfill his promises. Um, And then if that wasn't enough, Abram then becomes wealthy based upon him giving away his wife. The text tells us that he gained a lot of possessions and wealth and livestock because he was basically about to become Pharaoh's brother-in-law. By becoming Pharaoh's future brother-in-law, he was benefiting from kind of this culture and system of violence that was in place in Egypt. Um, And although we can have sympathy for the decision that Abram made and for the decision that Sarai made, because, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I've never been in a situation like that. Um, But we still see that Abram operated out of fear instead of faith. Abram operated out of fear instead of faith. God had already told him, I will bless those who bless you and I will dishonor those who curse you. Basically, God had already said, I have your back. I'm going to go to bat for you. I am going to protect you. Whoever comes against you, I'm against them. But Abram couldn't see past the opportunity to spare his own life from the famine and from the culture of injustice that was in Egypt. His faith was weak and it needed strengthening. Family, maybe you can relate. Uh, Perhaps in the midst of this situation, this crisis, uh, we've experienced a weakness of faith. Uh, And this weakness of faith has led us to doubt the protection and provision God has for us. Maybe we made decisions or thought of thoughts or had emotions that were contrary to God. And maybe even during this time, We have run away from God in deep and significant ways. Um, But family, there is comfort in this passage because God will fulfill his promises in a glorious way. So check this out. This is one of my favorite parts of the historical narrative of God's people. So Abram has basically given away Sarai, and God steps into the situation in a huge way. God basically steps is like, Nah, Abraham, I have promised to bless you with offspring. I promised to make you a great nation. I am not gonna let you mess this up. <laughs> like God is like, I'm determined to bless you, even if you're not determined to receive the blessing yourself. So God jumps in and he starts jacking up Pharaoh's house. He sends plagues, which are basically like nasty diseases and physical afflictions to Pharaoh's house. And like his whole house is turned upside down, all because Pharaoh messed with the wrong people. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Abram? Like to just have like convinced your wife to go and be a part of um, Pharaoh's harem and she's getting prepared to become Pharaoh's wife to basically consummate the marriage with him. And you like I can, I can only imagine what it would have been like. Maybe he was feeling guilt. Maybe he was torn up. Maybe he was still scared. And then he probably didn't even know that behind the scenes, God is moving for him. And God has his back. God is at work. Um, And so here's the thing. Pharaoh summons Abram and is like, Abram, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? <laughs> I love that. Uh like Pharaoh's like, dude, like take your wife and go, get out of Egypt. Um family, I'm here to tell you that when you belong to God, absolutely nothing will prevent him from being faithful to his promises to you. Not a global crisis, not A culture of injustice in our nation and not even your own sin and if only you can see what he is doing behind the scenes behind the curtains you would rejoice God is the friend who will fight for you at the drop of a dime God is that parent who will come and pick you up out of the hole that you dug for yourself family God is determined to bless you in your mess Christian, God is determined to bless you. Not only, see, this is the beautiful thing. Not only will God fulfill his promises in the midst of the crisis, but God will even use the crisis to fulfill his promises. See, check it out. Abram left Canaan uh, in a famine, went into Egypt, and he left Egypt and went back into the famine-filled land one of the richest people around. The text later on tells us that the land couldn't even support both him and his nephew. They had to separate because they were so wealthy. This wealth was the wealth that he gained in Egypt from giving away Sarai. But here's the thing, God promised Abram that he would be a great nation. So in some weird way, God is fulfilling his promises and he used the crisis and he used Abram's sin and he used everything and this is, I think it was what the Bible means when it says in Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. He literally uses all things to work for your good. Even if things aren't good to us, they are good for us because God is, in, in, in his mystery, he's big enough and sovereign enough to use any and everything for his own glory and to fulfill his own promises. Uh, family, all things bad will work for your good. Nothing truly good can ever be taken away from you. And the best is yet to come, no matter what it looks like. Uh, family, I don't know what it looks like for you during this time, but I want you to believe with all of your heart, that God is for you in the midst of this crisis, Christian. Uh, And you can continue to trust God in the midst of this because of that. You can continue to uh, push, push forward in faithfulness, continue to serve God, continue to push forward and persevere in your goals and your aspirations, even in the midst of this, even when you don't know what it's gonna look like because God is at work and he is up to something. Um, so I just have like a little practical thing that I've told students to do and, and I' figured I'll share it with you like create a list of all the things that are really scary and really frustrating about the situation that we're in and then create a list of the promises of God and and like actually write it out and write it down and watch how both of those lists are true. Uh, they are not mutually exclusive. Things can be really scary and there can be a really frustrating crisis. And at the same time, God will and is fulfilling those promises and is even using the crisis to fulfill his promises. Um, And so, y'all, I'm ending here. I'm wrapping up here. Some of y'all may be thinking, man, this is too good to be true. Like, this is way too good to be true. Abram sinned like he didn't deserve for God to have his back like that. And y'all, that's exactly the point. See, and the funny thing about this, in this situation, Abram was the only one who really sinned. Like, Pharaoh didn't do anything bad. Pharaoh had a clear conscience in taking this woman as his wife. Pharaoh did not say, this is my wife. Who knows what Pharaoh would have done if he actually had known it was Abram's wife. Um, But God stepped in and and cursed Pharaoh and blessed Abraham, even though Abram was the one who deserved cursing and, and Pharaoh was the one who deserved to be vindicated in this situation. The only difference between Pharaoh and Abram is that um, Abram belonged to God and Pharaoh didn't. Um, and so family, can not we relate? Like we, we, some of you might be asking the question like, I know I deserve cursing like I know I've stepped away from God I know I've been ratchet in the midst of all of this coronavirus crisis and the midst of all this injustice like how can God bless me in the midst of this Um, like how can we like Abram receive blessing even though we deserve curses in our crisis and the answer is Jesus God sees our sins and our shortcomings in the midst of the crisis, but he is determined to bless us no matter what. He is so determined to bless us that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross. As a human, Jesus deserved no curses in his crisis because he lived his life perfectly but Jesus received curses in his crisis so that we can receive blessings in ours. He took the curses of God on our behalf so that there would be no more curses for us in our crises. You see, Jesus is the true and better Abram. Abram avoided danger so that he could gain riches for himself, but Jesus moved into danger On the cross, so that he could gain riches for you. You see, Abram gave away his own bride to spare his own life, but Jesus gave away his own life in order to save his own bride, the church. The cross is the reason why God blesses us undeserving sinners in the midst of our crises where we have had so many shortcomings and failures in responding appropriately. Not only that, but Jesus is the true and better Sarai. Sarai simply gave herself away in order to spare her husband's life in a crisis. But Jesus beautifully gave himself away in order to spare your life in your crises. And Jesus rose again, overcoming death and injustice and a culture of violence in order to walk with you victoriously in your everyday life as you walk through your valleys of the shadows of death. And he is doing this as your king and your Lord if you place your trust in him. Family, God will fulfill his promises to you in an economic meltdown. God will fulfill his promises to you in a violent society. God will fulfill his promises to you in your shortcomings, but God will fulfill his promises to you in a glorious way. Will you trust him and will you follow him? Would you all pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it encourages us even in the midst of crises, even in the midst of hard times. Lord, I pray that you would uh, make us brutally aware that you're walking with us and that you love us and that you have our back no matter what. And you have shown this excellently in the fact that you've sent your son Jesus to die on our behalf and rise again. God, we love you, amen.